Greetings and welcome back to TanakhStudy.com. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom and we're studying Sefer Divrei HaYamim. In this program we study one chapter of Tanakh in each podcast. We're now in Divrei HaYamim Bet, Perak Lamed Dalad. <clears throat> About to hear the first of the two chapters describing the rule of the very righteous, Yoshiahu. He was eight years old when he became king. When Ammon, his father, died, he ruled for 31 years in Yerushalayim. He did that which was right in God's eyes. And he, as we heard in the case of Chizkiyahu, and as we heard in the case of several other kings, although with uh, limitations that we heard later on in their life, Followed on the path of David, his ancestor, it did not stray to the right or to the left. Eight years into his rule, means he's 16, he's still a young boy. He started seeking out God. We'll see what that means. And in his twelfth year, which means he spent four years studying about God or connecting to God. And then he finally, now that he's 20 years old, began the process of purifying Yudav Yushalayim from all of the high places and the Asherot and the idols and the molten images. Now, critical to understand that we are now casting yet another uh, doubt, as it were, into the description that is in Divrei Hamim, which is not in Malachim, about Menashe and Menashe's tshuva and subsequent purification of the land and ridding it of the idols, because we see that the idols are still there in Amon's day, and they're still there for Yoshiao to clean out. And quite a job it is. So they broke apart in the presence of Yoshiao. He oversaw this. The altars of the Baal and the Chamonim. Chamonim evidently seem to be sun pillars or sun statues, which were on top of the Baal Mizbeach, Gidea. They cut them down. All of the Asherot and the, and the idols and the molten images, they broke and they ground up. And they threw it on top of the graves of the people who worshipped them. Evidently, they were buried near these altars, and so they kind of returned that there. They took the priests of the cult who were dead, they took their bones out and burned them on the Mizbeach. And that's how they purified Yehuda and Yerushalayim. And we assume that afterwards they broke apart those Mizbachot. So in Ephraim, which is in the north, we'll talk about that in a moment, a particular uh, Mizbeach that we're familiar with, but Shimon, which as we read about earlier in Devar Amim Aleph, is uh, is camped is uh, set up their territory in the area of Edom and Naphtali, which is in the north, meaning from the south to the north. Becharvotehem Saviv. Becharvotehem can play one of two very different ways. It could mean they were living in their destroyed cities, meaning that Ashur had captured the north, and Ashur had done some cap. Uh, cap- and some conquest in the south. And therefore, some of the cities the Jews were living in were really Chorvot. And he gathered all of these people and got them to participate in the destruction of the 
foreign worship sites that were there. The other possibility is Chavotea, means with their swords. That means these people use their swords to destroy these worship places. Now, the interesting thing about Menashe and Ephraim is that in uh, Malachim, Aleph Yud Gimel, we have the very curious story of the Isha Elohim who goes to the north and encounters Yeravam ben Nevat on his Mizbeach and gives the prophecy that one day a descendant of David named Yoshea is going to come and he's going to just kill all of the Kohanim um, who are worshipping and destroy this Mizbeach. And the story leads how the story leads. In Malachim uh, Bet, uh, in the story of Yoshiahu, we hear about that actually happening. Uh, and about them encountering the grave of that Yishalohim, who never made it back to the south, a famous story there, in the second half of Yud Gimel. Uh, here, there is no mention of that story at all. Just that he went to Ephraim and Hashem also destroyed Mizbachot, and then a sort of a sea-designing sea thing from Shimon to Naftali, which would be another form of Midan Vad Ber Sheva. Okay. Again, he broke apart all the Mizbachot, and then all of the Asherah trees and all of the idols, he broke apart and ground them. And he destroyed all of the sun sites, um, the pillars that are set up for the sun uh, worship. Uh, and he came back to Shalim. All right, that's what he did when he was 20, in his 12th year. Now he's 26. He had completed the Tahara of Eretz Yisrael and of the Beit HaMikdash. Shalag, which again tells us that Menashe really had not fully cleaned out everything, if he had done any of it, uh, in in the uh, purported shuva that he had after his purported conqu- uh, being taken captive by Ashur. Shalach uh, Shafan ben Atzaliyahu ben Masayahu Sar Ha'ir. He sent these two messengers, ben Yoach ben Yoachaz Hamazkir, this is another case of Bedek Habayit, and as the kings earlier had done, he first cleansed the land from the Avodah before turning to strengthening the Beit HaMikdash. So there was money that people brought in order to support the strengthening of the Mikdash, and these these collectors brought it to Chilkiyahu, who was the Kohen HaGadol, and they gave this money, Asher Asfu Halavim Shomer Asaf Miyam and Asher Ephraim Yikol Shavit Yisrael, that the Levim who had uh, who were the ones who guard the the doors, collected from people all over Israel, Mikol Yudav and Yamin Vayashuv Yerushalayim. So these Levim came back to Yerushalayim with the money, and it came now into the Mikdash. Vayinu Al Yad Oseh Hamalacha. They gave it to the people who were working, Hamufkadim Beveit Adonai, who were in who were put in charge or were charged with fixing the house of Hashem. And they put that money to the work of Livdok. Uh, we'll talk about what Livdok means, and to strengthen the house. Livdok, which is where we get the phrase Bedek Habayit, really means to the, the breaches. So they, they uh, identified the breaches and closed up the breaches. They gave the carpenters and the builders to go buy quarried stones and wood to tie together the stones to connect them and to roof over the houses that the earlier Malchei Yehuda Menashe and Amon had destroyed. They had to refix the house. So the people are working in a trust, trustworthy manner in their malacha. 
they have officers over them. Two of these members of the Marie family. And the ones who were overseeing the entire job were these two members of the Kahat family. And evidently this work was accompanied by Levitical singing and playing. And all of these sabalim, the people who are carrying the heavy loads, and the menatzchim, the people who are overseeing all of the work, uh, and among the levim we had sofrim, people who are uh, who are keeping a record of what's going on. Shotrim, which literally means bailiffs, but actually the word shotrim is related to the word shoter, uh, which means to write. These are the people who write down what was happening. That's where we get the the uh, Talmudic word star. Vishoarim and the gatekeepers. All the Levim are doing these jobs, overseeing the work in the Mikdash. When they took the money out that had been brought, so they gave the money to the workers, and they brought the money out of Beit Hashem, found a Sefer Torah in the Beit HaMikdash. Evidently, the Sefer had been there for a while, and they did not know where it was. The very famous Sefer, story of the Sefer is in Malachim Bet Chapet. Here is the Divrei Hayimim version, which is very close to what we hear in, in Malachim. So Chilkiyahu, the Kohen Gadol, speaks to the royal scribe. It says, I found a Sefer Torah. He gave him the Sefer. Because it's Shafan's job to read these scrolls, these texts in front of the king. So he brought it to the king. And he also told the king the following. Everything that has been given to given the sense paid to the workers they're doing. Everybody's doing their job. And this is still part of his report. They melted down the silver that was found there, meaning because people gave jewels and things of that sort of have to be melted down into silver. It was given to the people who were in charge and the people who were working. And then, then the Shafan told the king, Sefer Natan Lechilkeal Kohen. Chilkeal, give me a Sefer. He read it in front of the king. When Oshiel heard the words of the Torah, he tore his clothes. Why is that? We'll find out. He commanded his closest cabinet members, as it were, Chilkiel, the Kohen Agadol, and his scribe, Go seek out God on my behalf. And on behalf of the remnant that's still here. Because of the words in that Sefer. Now we don't know which words. Is it the story of Yaakov and Lavan? Is it Kedoshim Tiyu? We don't know. We'll find out. There's a play on words here. God's anger that is burning against us is great. Because our ancestors did not keep the words of God. To keep what's in the Sefer. Now notice, Asherit Chabanu, the burning, is the same word that they used for describing the burning or the molting of the metals to turn them back into coins or just into metals from jewelry. And we'll use the word again. So Chilkiyahu and the king's entourage went to Chuldah Neviyah, one of the famous seven Neviyot. Eshet Shalom Ben Tokat, 
Ben Chasra Shomer Habgadim. Her name is a little bit different in Sefer Malachim. Um, she lives in a particular area of Yerushalayim called the Mishnah. And they told Chulda all of what they read. And they said the king wants to know what to do. This is what, when the king said, Dear Shu, he meant to go to a Navi, or in this case a Naviyah, and find out what to do. This is what Hashem said. This is a report. Tell the man who sent you to me, meaning the king. This is what Hashem says. I am going to be evil to this place and to its residents. For all of the curses written in the Sefer, that was read before the king. So we now get the sense that these are the curses at the end of Sefer Devarim. Why? Because they abandoned me. They burned incense to foreign gods. To anger me with everything they do. Again, that same word. My anger burned hot in this place and it will not be extinguished. And then she said, Go tell the king who sent you to me. This is what you tell him. Regarding the words that you heard. Now there's a backtrack. Because your heart is soft and flexible. You have been, you've subjugated yourself, humbled yourself before God. When you heard his words regarding this place and about the residents. You subjugated yourself before me, you tore your clothes, and you wept before me. I heard that also, therefore, it's not going to remove the threat of the evil that's going to happen. But, I will gather you to your fathers, which means I will take you to death, and you'll be gathered to your grave. Things will be quiet. Your eyes will not see all of this evil that I'm going to put on this place. And they brought back these words to the king. That's very interesting because the king has presented as if he were evil and is only doing tshuva now, whereas really throughout his career he has been cleaning up, if you will, the messes of his father and grandfather and of the earlier kings. Uh, nonetheless, there's a corporate responsibility here that has to be paid. So the king then summoned all of the elders. He came up to the Beit HaMikdash. So all the residents and all the Kohanim Levim and the whole nation, important, insignificant. Then he read in, in their ears the words of the Sefer Habrit, which again seems to be the end of the uh, the, the latter part of the Torah and The king stood and made a brit in front of Hashem. What was the brit? To follow Hashem, to follow his mitzvot and his testimonies and his laws. With all of his heart and all of his soul, to fulfill the brit that's on here. He stood everyone up who was there in Yerushalayim and Binyamin, and they made a brit like the brit that Hashem made with their ancestors. 
Vayasa Yoshiao at Kola Toevot Mikol Haratzota Shalivne Israel. And then Yoshiao got rid of all of the idols that are in any of the lands that Bnei Israel control. Vayavated Kola and Sabi Israel. He put to work everybody who was there, La Avorata Adonai Loham, to worship Hashem. As long as he was alive, people they did not abandon God, they did not go away from God, uh, and uh, and they were loyal to God. Uh, that, of course, is a blessing, and buried beneath it, of course, is ominous that as long as he was alive, and that's something that we heard in the case of Yoshua famously, uh, they were loyal to God, but then again we know what to expect afterwards. But we have a whole other parak in order for, uh, that uh, to hear about uh, Yoshiahu and Yoshiahu's uh, great deeds and ultimately leading to the end of Yoshiahu. But in the meantime, we'll, pa- we'll leave that for the next podcast. In the meantime, I should have a wonderful day.